right, turn your Bibles tonight to the book of Genesis, and I'll give you a few minutes to find it. Genesis chapter number 4, Genesis chapter number 4, uh, that is the first book of the Bible, uh, fourth chapter tonight, Genesis chapter number 4, and I'm going to bring our Bible study tonight again in the series of uh, say, uh, um, Culture at War with the Church. And all my series are running together. And two weeks ago, I taught uh, him he could not save and how uh, Jesus uh, stayed on the cross because he had a greater purpose in mind. And uh, this evening, I'm going to use a uh, Bible character that uh, God puts in the Bible, I believe is a bad example for us, something to look at uh, and someone we do not want to be like. Uh, but I, I think we can also see how um, it would apply to us in the day we live in. As you know, I believe the Word of God helps us discern everything we deal with. I do not believe there's a situation you and I will face that the Word of God does not give us a principle to uh, guide us, gives us a verse of Scripture uh, to lead us. That's why we must know the Word of God. That's why the devil wants to keep us away from the Word of God. We also know that the closer it gets to Christ's return, uh, the worse the world's going to get, not the better. Uh, that's why we ought to get a sense of urgency to reach people with the gospel. Because I believe Christ's return is imminent, and so time is short, so we have to reach people with the gospel. And it's important that uh, we understand the world we're dealing with so that we keep ourselves right. Um, I want our nation to be a nation that honors God. I trust you do as well. But whether it does or not, I'm responsible for me honoring God. I, I want this world to turn to God. But whether I do or not, I'm responsible for what I do. Uh, we, we use too many people as excuses for why we don't serve God. And so I, tonight's Bible study is going to, I believe, serve several purposes for us. It's one, uh, going to help many of us <clears throat> because we have to deal with the things of this world. Something you and I need to be reminded of is we have an enemy and Satan hates the church. Satan hates the child of God. And I also want tonight to serve as a, as, as a warning for a younger generation that is growing up in the things of God, a, a younger generation that's still making decisions that's going to determine uh, the future for them and choices that they make. And so as we get into this, I think you'll uh, understand it a little bit better. You'll, you'll uh, find some things that will help us. Let's look at Genesis chapter number 4. And uh, I have a lot to get to tonight, and so I'm going to read the text, uh, give you the title, and uh, then I'm going to get right into the introduction. Much of the introduction I'm just going to read, <clears throat> because I do have seven points I want to get to this evening, and I want to get to all of them uh, before the service concludes uh, in a couple of hours. And so uh, you follow along with me, Genesis chapter number 4, verse number 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? 
If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Sounds pretty logical to me. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto these shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. We're going to look at this passage of Scripture tonight. I titled this Bible study, Cain the Persecutor. Cain the Persecutor. Father, help us tonight as we look into the Word of God. May uh, we be helped by what we see. Uh, May uh, the Holy Spirit tonight use this study to uh, enlighten us uh, in some situations that we might have to deal with. May it serve as a warning to us uh, that if we disobey what God has commanded, where it could lead us. And Father, may all this be used to keep us close to you, Uh, Help us to uh, draw nigh to your Son. And Father, I pray that you'll bless the service in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Usually when we talk of Bible persecution, we think of what has happened or we think about what will happen in the latter days. But the Bible says, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It just makes sense since the Bible says, if we live godly in Christ Jesus, we shall suffer persecution. And we live in a world, in a world system that does not love the Lord Jesus Christ. It just makes sense that the more you love the Lord Jesus, the more you live godly, the more likely it is that you're going to suffer persecution. Now, I'll say this before we get into the remainder of the introduction. Persecution comes in a variety of ways and forms. Uh, There are some in this world today that are being persecuted uh, because of their belief and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are losing their life as persecution. But not all of us will face persecution that way. There are many ways and many forms of persecution. If we are going to face persecution because we do right, let me just remind us, it's not always right. It's not always popular to do right. It's not. But it's always right to do right. And you and I, we need to be reminded, and maybe this serves as a reminder to us tonight, that whether it's popular or not, we should do right. I'm not an independent Baptist. I don't believe the King James Bible because it's popular. I do because I believe it's right. I don't, I don't go to church on Sunday because I believe it's popular. I believe it's what, you know, I have to. I'm the pastor. That's why I do it. But I believe it's where we're supposed to be on Sunday. Um, saying certain things and not saying certain things, I don't think you should. I, that doesn't determine by what's popular, what's accepted. It's amazing. Some of the words that are said today uh, were considered curse words 40 and 50 years ago, but they're accepted today. We shouldn't determine what we do by those around us. If that's the case, we're going to get labeled where we work. We're going to pick up mocking names with the people who know us because we want to do what is right and pleasing to the Lord. But it comes in many ways and forms. There is a growing 
phenomenon, if you will, amongst Christians and heathen alike to attempt to destroy another for the decisions they have made. I'm going to destroy you because of decisions I made. An individual spends their income on alcohol, drugs, and other sin and blames everyone else for their destitute condition. Someone ruins their life in immorality and blames the church or independent Baptist in general as the cause of their condition. While this is tragic in itself, blame is not enough. A parent must be destroyed. A church must be destroyed. Baptist in general must be destroyed because of the choices of an individual who is a backslidden Christian. Stay with me. How is it possible for someone to be reared in a Christian home, taught the Word of God, faithfully taken to church, protected from the world, reap the benefit of a mother's prayers, take advantage of dad's sacrifice to attend a Christian school, and then make choices that take them into the world, away from God, and then in turn blame the same home and parents for the consequences of their actions. How can someone benefit from the discipline and character training in a home and choose to forsake that training and then accuse mom and dad of being abusive in emotional emotional trauma due to enforcing rules and not allowing to participate in certain activities. Say, Pastor, why are you bringing this up? Because this is happening more and more and more. How's the devil going to come after Christian parents? It's coming. You mark it down. You already sense it. It's, It's brewing on the surface. Because you gave me a curfew, you, you traumatized me emotionally. Because you made me dress a certain way and wouldn't let me go out with certain people, that was abusive and you traumatized me. Say, well, if you haven't heard that, you will. How can someone enjoy the sacrifices of Sunday school teachers and youth workers, reap the benefit of a pastor's prayers, be taught right from wrong, and choose to forsake their Bible and their upbringing, and then attack the very people who sacrificed for them? How can someone slander a church, a pastor, another Christian on the Internet, and vow to do whatever they could do to destroy that church, that Christian, that church they got saved in or where they met their spouse? See, Pastor, these are very interesting questions. Well, the answer is found in the life of Cain, the persecutor. Let me get in. Well, let me mention this from this passage tonight. Two things are evident from the life of Cain. The first thing is this Cain was disobedient in bringing the wrong sacrifice. Did we see that in the text tonight? He brought the wrong sacrifice. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. Abel brought 
uh, they, of the flock, the firstling of the flock, to, to the Lord, and, and, and Abel's sacrifice was accepted. Cain's was rejected. Cain was disobedient in bringing the wrong sacrifice. He was not tricked into bringing the wrong sacrifice. He was not coerced into bringing the wrong sacrifice. He made the choice. That's what I find in my Bible. That is evident. Cain was disobedient in bringing the wrong sacrifice. Cain made a sacrifice. It just wasn't the right one. Making a sacrifice was not enough. Using religious terms is not enough. Now, if you know this passage of Scripture, you know that one is bringing a works sacrifice. One is bringing a blood sacrifice. Very, very important when it comes to our salvation. But there's a disobedience. This is evident. Cain was disobedient in bringing the wrong sacrifice. The second thing we find by way of introduction is this. Cain had the wrong reaction. We find that when, but unto Cain, verse 5, into his offering, he had not respect. Speaking of God. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Cain had the wrong reaction. Cain was disobedient. You with me? God rejected his sacrifice because he disobeyed. And let me just remind all of us right here, we need a revival of realizing the importance of obeying God. Just obey what God says. He was disobedient. God rejected the disobedience. Now, what we would hope to have happen, if that is you and I, let's be honest tonight, we all have disobeyed God in some respect in our life. When we do that, we have two choices. We can humble ourselves, repent, get right with God, obey God, and then be on our way, or we can respond the way Cain responded, and he got wroth. He had the wrong reaction. See, when his choice was rejected by God, he chose to destroy the one whose obedience was accepted by God. That's key. So, Pastor, why are you bringing this up? Because we live in a day in Christianity, I'll use that term loosely, when the status quo is justification for disobedience to God. But it's not accepted by God. And when we disobey God, God is going to reject our disobedience. Just because you want to do it your way, I want to do it my way, does not mean God has, has to accept that. Matter of fact, he's not going to. It's an insult to him to think that sinful man can dictate to a holy God what they are and are not going to do. This is important to you and I tonight because when we come to that place in our life, we have a choice. Do we humble ourselves and get right? Or do we get angry at God for rejecting our disobedience? I'm going to take you to the end in just a moment. 
to where Cain kills Abel. Before I do, let me reemphasize this warning. Some would say I'd never get to that place. It starts when we're disobedient to God. God rejects our disobedience. God says, nope, you and I are not okay. Nope, I demand obedience. We have a choice. We can submit ourselves, get right, and move on serving God. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, when we disobey God, God does the same. He's no respecter of persons. He's going to reject our disobedience just like he rejected Cain's disobedience. And then if we're not careful, we'll have the wrong reaction and we'll get wroth. We'll get angry. Now, I'm going to show you the progression. Eventually, as I've already said, somebody's got to embody what we are angry at. When his choice was rejected by God, he chose to destroy the one whose obedience was accepted by God. I'm trying to help us tonight. I like to study things out. The Bible is very much cause and effect. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. God says you do this and I'll do this. You don't do this and I won't do this. It's really fairly simple. So before we get to the end of a tragic story, I like to back up and say what took place that could have been prevented. We know in the case of Cain, we know the end of the story. But I believe that there is nothing new under the sun. And the same principles in this passage can help you and I, and it can keep us from a tragic ending. Don't forget Don't forget the two things that are evident by way of introduction to this story. Cain was disobedient in bringing the wrong sacrifice. Cain had the wrong reaction. That's where lives are lost. That's where homes are broken up. That's where Christians... Leave the will of God. When the Spirit of God says, no, God said. You you know when you're wrong. There's the two things that were evident. Now, I've got seven statements I'm going to make, and I'll move pretty quickly through these. Let me say, number one, Cain had the same opportunity as Abel. Cain had the same opportunity as Abel. Verse number one tells us Adam and Eve was Cain's parents and Abel's parents. Same opportunity. By the way, it's still true of siblings that grow up in the same home. And when both are disobedient because all kids are disobedient, all parents are disobedient, We have a choice when God rejects our disobedience to either humble ourselves and get right or get wroth. Let me say, Cain had the same opportunity as Abel. I would say, 
that Cain was probably more privileged than Abel, being the firstborn. They had the same opportunities, grew up in the same home, had the same instruction, had, had, this, had, the, had the same uh, uh, um, opportunities to do the right thing. Cain had the same opportunity as Abel. Number two, this is where we could park for a while. Cain was a rebel. Cain was a rebel. Abel gave a sacrifice that was accepted by God. We see that in the scripture. Cain's was rejected. He disobeyed. He was not misunderstood. He wasn't just wired differently. He was a rebel. He wasn't just his personality and and he's got all of this energy bundled up. No. God said, bring a certain kind of sacrifice. And he wanted to show off what he produced from the ground. And he thought that was on the same plane as what God said to bring. And God rejected it. And his response proved he was just a rebel. Mom and dad... You got kids in that nursery? Some of you do because we can hear them. They're going to grow up one day. Between now and then, you rear them according to the word of God. You rear them to please God, not yourself. You rear them to please God, not the pastor. Please rear them to please God and not grandparents. Rear them according to the word of God. But... If one of them decides, I'm going to disobey God, don't let them blame your home. Don't let them blame the church. Don't let them blame a Sunday school teacher. It just comes down to they're a rebel. Cain was a rebel. You know, we all have rebel in us. And it's up to us whether or not we're going to submit to God our authority. So number one, we said Cain had the same opportunity as Abel. There's no excuse there. Number two, Cain was a rebel. He proved he was a rebel, one, because he brought the wrong sacrifice. But all of us in here, would tell, if we were honest, we'd say there's been times when we've rebelled and we've been disobedient to God. What He, he showed his heart when God rejected it His reaction, instead of fixing it, he got angry about it and never changed it. It, As a pastor, I just want us to be obedient to God. As a parent, you should want your children to be obedient to the word of God. Okay, you're going to rebel. Okay, fix it. I'm not going to fix it. That's a rebel. That's not unfair circumstances. That's not the rules. And by the way, it's a great statement. Rules don't create rebels. They reveal rebels. He was a rebel. Number three. And, and let me go back to number two. No, rebels don't like the argument. They don't like argument presented because they've already rebelled against it. I don't have time, but God comes to him and, and, and asks him why. And he never gave him an answer. Why don't you get it right? 
Why, why are you wroth? Why is your countenance fail? Because he was a rebel, number two. Number three, Cain was full of pride. Just full of pride. How do you know? Because he's a rebel. Rebels are full of pride. Anybody read the book of Proverbs lately? How many times are we warned about pride? Pride is the greatest downfall in the life of a Christian. I know as much as God. I'm the exception to the rule. I'm different. All of that is pride. Think with me just for a moment how much pride Cain had to have when God has said, bring a certain kind of sacrifice. And for Cain to be out tilling the ground and He's growing. He was the first vegetarian, so God rejected all that. And he's, grow, he's, growing, he's growing all those fruits and all those vegetables. And he, he said, this is better. What I've done is better. I'm going to preach the Bible whether you like it or not. So uh, th- this is better than what God has said to bring. How, how proud do you have to be? Okay, how, how proud, do we, full of pride do we have to be to say, I know what the Bible says, but... I don't, think I, I don't think I need to do that. I know what God has said, but. How much pride do we have to be to think we're the exception to God's word? He was full, Cain was full of pride. You, you, want tell you, what, you, you want me to tell you what a humble Christian looks like? Not a perfect Christian. One that when God rejects the disobedience, gets it right. God, I was wrong. I wanted to be right. You know what a rebellious teenager looks like? One full of pride? When they're corrected. No. no you, 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 okay, you need a mom and daddy to bring a judge out and a jury and weigh the evidence to convince somebody that's 14 that they really did have a bad attitude. No, that's not the way it is. It's full of pride. When you can't submit to that authority, and when we're certainly talking to God in his creation, he is full of pride. Number four, this is where it's going to get good. Look at verse number six. Go back to verse five. And unto, but unto Cain, <clears throat> to his offering, he had no respect, not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. The fact that in verse number 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? Statement number 4 is this. Cain took no responsibility for his, for his own actions. He was wroth because he was a victim. He was wroth because God was being unfair. He was wroth because his sacrifice, he felt, was on equal planes with the sacrifice that Abel brought. I hope some of you are getting this, especially young people. I hope you're getting this. He took no responsibility for his actions. Hypothetically speaking, if I were to close my Bible and walk away from the Word of God. Not read it, 
decide not to, not to live it. I'm tired of people making decisions for me. I'm tired of living up to everybody else's expectations. I'm going to go out and do what I want to do. And I'm still saved. And I can still have a relationship with God. Rationalize it any way I want to. And if you didn't like that, it is because you are unfair and oppressing me. Makes no sense. Do you know who would take responsibility if that happened in my life? I'd be to blame. Do you, do you know I have, there have been times in my life when I have been treated unfairly? But if I get bitter, there's nobody to blame but me. Sometimes we use because somebody else was wrong as justification for us being wrong. No, absolutely not. I must take responsibilities for my own actions. If you or I disobey God, can I tell you what God's going to do? He's going to reject our disobedience. It's not Abel's fault. It's not Adam and Eve's fault. It's your fault. It's my fault. We, we've got to get away from, and I'm weary. You know how intellectual, intellectually lazy it is to blame the pastor for your backslidden condition? You want, you want to talk about how intellectually lazy it is to blame the structure of a home that mom and dad had for, for your rebellion? We talk about how intellectually lazy. Say, well, I, I, I just want to have a no. I, I do you ever? I don't like having conversations with him because my IQ drops a few points every time because it's just not doesn't sharpen my mind. We live in a day of everybody else's fault. He took no responsibility for his actions. Take responsibility for your actions. You're going you're gonna to fail God. You're going to disobey. But the moment we do and the Holy Spirit convicts us, we need to go get on our knees and say, God, it is I who have sinned. I'm the one. If you want to find somebody in the Emmanuel Baptist Church to blame for your back and slitting condition, you will. If you want to find somebody to pin the blame on for you not having a relationship with the Word of God, you will. Well, I just, I just don't have any friends. Can I, help you to, can I help you tonight? That's your fault. That's your fault. Well, there he goes to pastor picket on me. Because the Bible says a man that has friends must show himself friendly. Don't come in three minutes late and leave three minutes early. Have a conversation once in a while. Come in with a look on your face that doesn't say, if you talk to me, I'm going to cut you. He took no responsibility for his actions. Stay with me. I've got a few more. We see a progression here. Where did it start? It started what we said at the beginning. He disobeyed. And then when God rejected his, his offering because of his disobedience, he had the wrong reaction. Now, you see where this is going? Same opportunity as Abel. He was a rebel, full of pride, couldn't be corrected. 
Cain took no responsibility for his actions. It's somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. I can tell you when somebody's heading for trouble, when it's always everybody else's fault. If my circumstances were different, if your circumstances were different, you'd be in the same condition you're in right now. Because your circumstances do not dictate. Number five. This is so simple, it's profound. And so profound, it's simple. And so revealing to what takes place in our day to day. And it's going to happen more. And Cain talked, verse 8, and Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. What did Abel have to do with God rejecting Cain's sacrifice? Nothing. What does a Christian mom and dad have to do with your lack of morality? What does a pastor have to do with your lack of relationship with the Word of God? So we got to get to a place where we quit blaming everybody else for our backslidden condition. And can I say this tonight? Merry Christmas. We've got to get to a place where we stop allowing backslidden Christians to blame everybody else instead of their own, their, their own choices. Abel had nothing to do with Cain's disobedience. But here's number five. Cain made it personal. Somebody had to embody the unfairness. Somebody had to. I'm not, I'm not brave enough to point my finger at God, but I'll cuss out the pastor. I'm not brave enough to curse God. I'm too big of a coward to do that. So I'll make my mama cry. He made it personal. Pastor, why do people hate churches like our church? The lost don't. You know who's caused me the most problems in my life? Saved people. Because they make it personal. Can I help you tonight? I have a responsibility as your pastor to preach the word of God to you, pray to you, pray for you. I'm certainly not praying to you, but pray, pray, pray for you. I am going to give an account for you, but it'll be based on how I preached, how I taught, how much I prayed. I'm going to stand before God one day, and God's going to say, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? But as we are here in this day, I can't make you do what's right. I can't make you submit to God. You, it's an easy cop-out just to blame the pastor. Legalist. Can't even define the word. It's an easy cop-out to blame independent Baptist. It's easy. 
He made it personal. Remember what I said in the introduction when his sacrifice was rejected, his choice was rejected by God. He chose to destroy the one whose obedience was accepted by God. There's a progression. This is why it's important for you. It's important for me. Whenever we are confronted with being disobedient to God, we need to humble ourselves and get it right. Because if we react wrong, there's a progression here. You're not the exception. I'm not the exception. It'll get to the place where it's got to become personal. Otherwise, we've got to step up and say, we're wrong. I'm wrong. You know, he couldn't blame his home as long as Abel was living. So I've got to destroy Abel. He made it personal. Say, well, that, that's what never happened. You better be careful with your pride. Better be careful not taking responsibility for your actions. He then made it personal. And Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. I, I've grown up in church. You know that. I remember hearing this Bible story very, very young. And it ne- I never understood it. But the longer I live, the more I understand it. Because we can get so far away from God that instead of getting right, we'll destroy that which is right with God. Oh, I can't, I can't stay at this one long enough. But he made it personal. Number six, this ties right in with it. Statement number six. There's six and then I'll give you seven. Cain expressed his anger at God by killing Abel. Cain wasn't mad at Abel. He's mad at God. And truth of the matter is, somebody who grows up in a Christian home, and, and I want every child, every teenager, every young adult to listen to me tonight. You have a privilege if you grow up in a Christian home. Mom and dad bring you to church. And when you're young, they make you come to church. And they make you do right, and they put you under the word of God. That is a privilege. But if you get away from God, and you get away from that book, and you backslide, don't be such a coward that you won't take responsibility of your own actions, and you want to blame your mama. Well, if my mom hadn't have done this, and you want to be treated like a man? Well, if my dad, and your dad sacrificed and worked for all those years and put up with you, and you want to criticize him? Well, I don't want to do that. It's the pastor. It's, it's, just, it's just independent Baptists in general. Come on, man up. At least be man enough to say, it's what I want to do. I'm angry at God. See, he destroyed Abel because he was mad at God. That's the way it all is. See, this is why when you hear somebody say, well, I used to go to church like that, and I don't go to church like that. They're not angry at, there are people who, they've never, I'll use myself and us as an example, they've never stepped foot 
in, in this church or because we're a Baptist church, they, they know all about us. Because this is, you know, they're not angry at Baptist. They're angry at God. But it's an easy scapegoat. I hope this is helping us tonight. Number seven, last one. So far, I hope we realize that if we live godly in Christ Jesus, we'll suffer persecution. If we are going to be persecuted, there has to be a persecutor. Many times it's easier to consider an unknown person, an unnamed person, an entity persecuting the cause of Christ than it is somebody that we know their name. Somebody we taught in Sunday school. Somebody that lived in our home. But we see that we're all capable of this. Cain and Abel grew up in the same, they were in the same home. Cain was disobedient in bringing his uh, offering to God. He reacted the wrong way. He had the same opportunity. He was, he was a rebel full of pride, took no responsibility for his actions. And then he made it personal. This is the progression. And he expressed his anger at God by killing Abel. Now, here's number seven. The first six up to this point is that warning. So we stay away from them. This is what they are. Number seven, I hope we grasp this. Look at verse number nine. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Number seven is this. God avenged Abel. If you were to go on and read the rest of the chapter, God put such a penalty on Cain that Cain cried out for mercy. He said, I can't bear it. I can't, can't live under it. God said, listen to the power of these words, what hast thou done? See, God didn't have the same line of thinking as Cain did. He didn't say, what did Abel do to deserve for you to kill him? How oppressive were your mom and dad? Did they paddle you when you were little? How oppressive were they? Oh, no, oh, no. God said, what did you do? And I'm asking this question because the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. God avenged Abel. Listen to me. I don't want any of us to get to this place. But God will avenge every slander on God's people. God will avenge every internet post against God's people. God will avenge it. God will avenge every conversation where a rebellious child slanders the home that they grew up in. God will avenge it. So I don't know if I believe that. You don't, you don't read your Bible then. He will avenge it. Study what the Bible says about idle words. Standing by the water cooler, running down, God will avenge it. 
So, Pastor, why do you bring that up? I bring that up because I say to you tonight, if you know of a situation like this, let God deal with it. Press on. And I want to serve as a warning. As we let pride swell up inside of us, who do, who do they who do they think? Who do you think you are? See, see, don't let them bully you. Who do you who do you think? No, 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 who do you think you are? You don't get to talk to me that way. I'll make you move out of my basement. You talk to me that way. It's usually the way it usually applies. Let God deal with it. And let us guard ourselves so that we don't get to this place. We need to get back to being afraid to fall into the hands of the living God. Cain, the persecutor. You may not understand this. You may not agree with this. I'd rather be Abel than Cain. But Abel died. There's worse things than dying. I'd rather be Abel every time. I'd rather be Abel than Cain. Abel ran his race, entered into the presence of God. Sacrifice accepted in fellowship with God. Cain had a punishment put on him that he could not bear. Hey, if there's something tonight that you know you need to get right with God, get it right. Because if you refuse to do it, let me tell you what it is. I, there, there's, I, I would never do it, but I can, I can see it coming. Unfortunately, in the lives, if I, if I can be this personal, of some sitting in this room right now, you're out of fellowship with God, you know it, and I know it. And God has rejected your disobedience. And let me tell you where you're at tonight. You're wroth. I don't know why my parents won't just give in. Every time I go and talk to pastor, he says, this is what I ought to do. So, pastor, are you saying that I'll get to the place where I make it personal, you wouldn't be the first. And you won't be the last. When you get to that point, there's no coming back for Cain. He couldn't undo what he had done. The hurt had been done. And here we are all these years later using him as an example of what not to be. It can happen to anybody. I know preachers who I went to college with, some who were already in the ministry that I looked up to, that now you wouldn't even know they were saved, and all they do is mock the Bible they used to preach out of. Mock the things of God. Mock it. Mock the homes they grew up in. Say, I would never get there. They probably would have said the same thing. Let's put our pride down. There's some area in our life we need to get right. Let's get it right. Cain the persecutor. 
how do we deal with, I hope tonight we see the why people act the way they act. Don't be intimidated by it. I'd rather be able than Cain. I'd rather be in fellowship with God and get so angry at Him that I have to pick somebody who has nothing to do with my choices. Nothing to do with my choices. Isn't it amazing? They, they, they leave home, they leave the things of God because it's their choice. And then when all the consequences catch up with them, it's because you made me. They always want it both ways. Hey, let's stay away from the things we need to stay away from. Father, help us tonight.